0: Good evening, and welcome to Episode 7 of the Mental Health Break Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Holzerman, or TH, if you will. Uh, this week, my guest, is—it's probably he's probably the reason why I'm on Substack. Um, you may know him for his various dogs. Uh, you may know him for his writings on Luminous sites, such as The, um, the Dearly Departed, Every Day Should Be Saturday, but you probably know him most recently for his uh, cookbook. There we go. His I almost gave it away. His newsletter, the Action Cookbook Newsletter. Uh, please welcome to the show, Scott Hines. Scott, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: No problem. Um, glad to have you on. And you, uh, so you um, were recently named the uh, a Substack Food Fellow. or Is that is that the right terminology?
1: It is. Yeah. It's uh, the Substack Food Writers Intensive is the program, but they called us the fellows. And I think our internal term has been the food fellows. So it's a funny term. I like it.
0: Like the like pin pals only uh, yeah. <laughs> only, a, only a little tastier, I suppose. Um, they just uh, I think it's funny fellows. It's uh, such an academic term, either an academic yeah. term or like a, an old English sort of uh, bro term, I guess.
1: Yeah, I'm picturing it more as like a, a old timey fop. So,
0: so what does that sort of entail? Let's, let's get that. Let's get the official stuff out of the way first.
1: Yeah. So um, the program was uh, an invite to establish food writers on Substack. Uh, you know, people with a certain a certain length of time publishing there and a certain certain degree of following, and they wanted to help us. You know collaborate and move our publication to the next level. What's what's been sort of a delight for me is that the the group it, it's a very impressive group and it includes some people who have published cookbooks or been major food writers, editors of, of food publications, a, a journalist doing, you know, very important work. And then there's me who, you know, I I made a made an Indiana pork tenderloin spicy
0: that's important work, though. You know, I think yeah. the, the Kentuckiana hotline has sort of become a touchstone.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, no, it's been great. And, like, you know, it's been a productive program, interesting to learn from other people. And I, I think I've been doing it actually longer than a lot of the people. So, I, I almost have a degree of expertise, which is frightening.
0: It does sound um, sounds scary when you're the one who's you, you know you're the you're the guy who's got the the seniority in the group.
1: <laughs> like oh, oh God, what if I do know what I'm doing?
0: Well, I think it's clear that you do. I mean, every Friday it's sort of you know it's religionary. It's sort of um, it, it's your newsletter, and then it's the Gators Daily account with the uh, flat fuck Friday song, <laughs> and every once in a while it's an Italian hoagie Friday. I I can't overdo it. Yeah. But um so what what does the what do you guys do for that? Is there something like that you're are there like going to be collaborations that are gonna be on your various newsletters or is it something central?
1: Uh, are you so cooking with each other? <laughs> haven't cooked with each other yet, but um so we have weekly uh weekly calls where we've brought in some of the internal people uh from Substacks teams to teach us about, you know, various Publication strategies and tools, but we've had some major food writers on to talk to us. I I got to Talk to Andrew Zimmerman on zoom a couple weeks ago, which was pretty wild
0: He's he's the real deal. Um, Yeah,
1: yeah, they've had some some real deal uh, Writers on there and then we've we've got an internal publication where we're just writing for for the 11 of us you know talking about strategies and processes and you know how we do our work which has been interesting to see because both the good and bad thing about a publication like this is that I've been doing it entirely by myself for almost three years now. And in many cases, it, there's been a case where it's, Oh, that's, that's interesting. I, I hadn't thought of doing it that way, but in many other ways, it's been like, well, I guess I was doing it right. Cause I was doing that all along. So, it's been uh, I would say,
0: yeah, I would say, so I think, you know, every Friday, sort of, I haven't tried to make any of the recipes yet. I just haven't really had the chance to until, um, recently, while well, I'm doing more cooking for myself, and I think if you know, me, you know the reason why, but I won't get mm-hmm. into it here. Um, but I, I think, like all the, I think a lot of them are. Some of them can be a little complex, but I think you have to you deal with do it like that. Sometimes you need to sort of flex your muscle a little bit. The, uh, I guess the timpani was the is that how you say timpani. It, I'm an Italian. I don't even know how to, to say that.
1: Uh, Timpano. Timpano. Um, okay. And I only know that because it, it features heavily in the movie Big Night, which if you haven't seen, it's a delight. Um, it's, uh, Stanley Tucci and, um, Tony Shalhoub play brothers running a, a struggling Italian restaurant on the Jersey shore in the fifties. And they're stuck making the kind of foods that to- tourists who don't know Italian food want them to make, but they've got a chance to make a big impression on a, a major restaurant tour. And so they, they make their beloved timpano and apparently this is something that stanley tucci's family did growing up so he he came up with it uh but yeah things like that i've actually realized as i go on here that like i love to do i love to do a big ridiculous project like that and definitely at the at the height of our like stay-at-home times in the pandemic that was i I can go back and look at stuff i did a year or two year two years ago and think like oh boy i was I was going through it when I made this fish. Uh, but I've had to remind myself a bit to like, okay, but there also have to be recipes that people want to make and people can make. And not everybody wants to do a 25 ingredient three day recipe. Some people do, but <laughs> We're that's,
0: that's, that's the beauty of it. Some people like to sort of get nuts in the kitchen. I know I, I, I do do that sometimes um, myself and um but uh, there, there's one thing that I think uh, it's. We're past Memorial Day, so it's officially summer. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I think is the most accessible, the easiest thing to do, well, at least the easiest thing to attempt, but can be the easiest thing to screw up. But it, it's something that's synonymous with summer, and that's grilling. Yeah. So we love um, we love a good grilling. Um, how much grilling do you do during the summer?
1: Oh, I grill all the time during the summer. I cook every meal I can outside. Um, and probably at least several times a week. Um, you know, I've got the charcoal grill and the gas grill side by side. Cause I like to use the charcoal for, you know, the longer stuff, the smoking, the, I've got the time on the weekends and then the gas grill for when I just want to, you know, get some chicken breasts or burgers on the grill and, and you know, Get it to the table quickly, but oh, I love cooking outside during the summer.
0: I think the grilling meat is just sort of not even just meat, like grilling anything. Like, um, have you ever gone to a Brazilian steakhouse?
1: You know, I yes, sorry, I have. Yes, I had to think <laughs> about it. Um, sorry, go ahead.
0: There's one. In, there's one in Philly, uh, Chima. It's it's not like in debt. It's not sort of a proprietary. It's it's a mini chain. There are plenty of them around the country, like in DC. But one of the things they bring around, they're the whole thing with the Brazilian steakhouse. For those who don't know, it's um, roasting meat over open fire. But it's not just meat; they bring around a pineapple, and and hand to God, it's one of the best things they have. They're bringing around this pineapple, so it's not just you know meat. Um, But I think meat's sort of the the thing you think about, you know, meat over open fire. You know, like like a caveman, you know, making grunt noises like Tim Allen. What is your go-to out on the grill?
1: Uh, All right, let's put this into two. My answer into two. My go-to for the weeknight easy gas grill is chicken thighs. They're just was a revelation when I realized that I should always be cooking chicken thighs instead of chicken breasts. They're always better. Um, And then weekends pork butt.
0: Yeah, pork butts are surprisingly um, easy.
1: Oh, my I gosh. I, I, when I first started doing those, and I was still living in New York City at the time, I had a tiny apartment, but we we found an apartment that had a patio, which was unheard of. It was a shitty apartment, and it, it actually burned down. We were lucky. <laughs> we, we didn't lose anything, but the, the rest of the building burned down. That's a, a whole other story. But anyways, had a patio, got a cheap Weber kettle. And that's when I first learned to smoke a lot, and I was just doing. So it you, weren't,
0: you weren't the food. person who burnt the building down then.
1: I was. I was not actually. Uh, <laughs> it was. It was a menorah fire during Hanukkah. Ooh. There was a uh, elderly Holocaust survivor on the on the top floor whose Hanukkah tipped or er, excuse me, whose menorah tipped over. Fortunately, everyone got out alive, but it, it uh, took out half the building. <laughs> so. Oh no. Um, I I, I know, Uh, I mean, terrible, terrible story. I don't, I don't, don't hold anything against him given the life he had, but, uh, I digress. Uh, the grill, I I got my first, you know, cheap Weber kettle and this, you know, being in in Manhattan at the time, you are not a lot of people who have the capacity to do a real cookout in their backyard and, uh, first learned the wick method, the, I assume you're familiar with this, but the... We, I,
0: I usually had had an electric smoker back at the uh, house, so...
1: Oh, okay. Well, this is this is my favorite party trick, and, you know, anybody who just has a cheap kettle grill and wants to smoke or want, doesn't want to show up for a smoker is you, you stack rows of charcoal around the outside just in a, you know, a circle around the outside of the grill, light the first six, and they... If you if you do it right, they burn through, so that basically you only have maybe six or eight coals lit at any time. So you can rig a simple charcoal grill into a smoker by doing this. And I learned how to do that. And the first time I did a pork butt, it turned out amazing. And I've you know I've done dozens over the years. And and it's where we like wow, what did you do? And like boy, if you get the temperature right, a pork butt cooks itself. You know it make, it makes you look good it's like a domino to,
0: effect
1: yeah and like you know something like brisket or stuff like that is finickier and harder to nail but pork uh, but it can really it can really make you look good without a whole lot of work once you get you know learn just a couple of tricks and that's that's always been my go-to
0: yeah that's um that's the sort of the thing that i sort of got good at with my smoker um and all you really need is a nice, a simple rub. You know, you don't need to baste it. You just need to let it go and control the temperature. Um, and it turns out fantastic. You just got to let it rest. That's the that's the key part. You, know, you yeah. can't really, you can't you can't take it out too early. You can't take it out when it's one sixty five. You got to let it go a little bit more, and then you got to let it rest. And once you do that, it's just sort of like. can the world's your oyster. You can do whatever you want with it. Um, And um, we'll go. We'll cycling back to sort of the chicken. I've always found it interesting. Um, I I ate almost exclusively white meat growing up, Um, and I I still do for the most part. I tend to gravitate towards breasts and wings. So, what in your opinion? And you're not the you're far from the first person to say that the thighs are better. You know, it's a Food Network thing. It's anybody who has a grill. You know, they say it. Um, What is your Describe in your words. What do you think
1: uh, thighs uh, over breasts? Yeah, I mean it's probably just the fat, you know. <laughs> uh, no, I just think they're I think they're more forgiving. That you know a chicken a chicken breast done well is delicious, but they're so much easier to dry out. Where you know it's the same same thing as the pork, but the the chicken thigh will work with you that you can really just get a a good rubber marinade on there, throw it on the grill, and it'll it'll do it where uh, I think a thigh or a a breast, you have to be a little more careful.
0: Yeah. Um, As someone I have always found chicken intimidating, but I've always really done outside the one time I made a, a spatchcock chicken in the oven, which turned out pretty good. I'll do it again someday. Yeah. But but I think uh, I mostly thighs. And even tonight when I made, um, made some schnitzel uh, chicken schnitzel, it, it, it takes a little bit of monitoring to get mm-hmm. the the breast mm-hmm. right, but you know you can get it right. Um. So, how was your memorial? Did you cook out for Memorial Day?
1: I did. Well, so Saturday was my 40th birthday, and everybody wished had "Scott, a happy birthday!" Belated, thank you. <laughs> uh, but that gave me an excuse to go over the top. We had some family and friends coming from out of town, so I had a, I had a crowd, which means I could go nuts, and uh, I did. <laughs> I did both a 16 pound brisket and uh 11 pounds of ribs oh yeah so I I got a little crazy with it but uh, so the brisket turned out pretty pretty good I ate some of the leftovers tonight even um I'm, I'm satisfied with it but the ribs were like oh man I nailed this you know no 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 questions nothing I'd change here so it was like a, like a b plus and then an a plus I feel like
0: that's uh i think ribs and, and brisket sort of like like people think pork butt is it's and really any any cut of meat is real it can really be found in any sort of uh barbecue subculture it's so funny how like the barbecue subcultures become so fragmented yeah. that everyone has their own sort of style but it's all just the same thing it's slow cooking it's just combinations of wood and, and rubs i suppose yeah or i guess some people use charcoal um I mean, the Carolina pork butt, and then Memphis has ribs, and Texas prides itself on brisket and hot links. Then Kansas City goes even further down the end, and hey, they want burnt ends. It's crazy, you know, burnt ends. It sounds so unappetizing, but it's like the one of the best things ever.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I'm somewhere in there where like I don't, I don't like a ton of sauce on my barbecue. I love a good, you know, love a good dry rub, and I will put a little sauce in off the end. But you know, I I know a lot of places. It's all about what kind of sauce they use. And for me, that's like, that's the condiment at the end. So.
0: Oh yeah. It's all about, I mean, a, a good barbecue, in my opinion, you should be able to eat it alone because you got the fat just right, rendered out just right. Yeah. Totally. Um, so, I think with that being said, you know, uh, I guess two prong, you know, you're from Northeast Ohio, mm-hmm. but you make your, your, uh, you're home in the Ohio Valley at this point, which, you know, that's further enough south. People consider Kentucky sort of a border state between the south and the Midwest. I mean, there's claimants mm-hmm. both ways. Um, what have you noticed is the signature style in Kentucky, the, the Ohio Valley, uh, western Kentucky, uh, whatever it is, I sort know. of um, some whatever granular region that you're in and then uh, follow up. Of all the different styles, what is your favorite in, in around the country?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that Kentucky has, or at least, you know, Louisville area has a distinct barbecue style. I think you see a lot of things. You see a lot of other places. A lot of a lot of pork butt, less less so brisket. But you know, barbecue culture has now spread enough that you get, you know, you've got the old line that define these regions, and then you've got you know people like me but also at the restaurant level trying trying different things so i you know i know theoretically the kentucky barbecue and this is more as you get into western kentucky like owensboro area is uh, mutton based which i can't say that i have actually had i, I really <laughs> one time i've been out to the owensboro area i drove out there to get my first shot <laughs> La- you know the first time i could get an appointment in in March, 20, 2021. And I was like, Oh, we need to stop for, for barbecue. And I was like, Oh, we, we weren't going into restaurants again yet at that point. So we haven't done it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, if I have a preferred style, I don't know, maybe, maybe it puts me in the Texas category where I'm, I'm, you know, I know they're more about the dry rubs than the sauce. Maybe that's closer to my heart there, which is ironic because, you know, I have other opinions on food that, would be heresy in texas such as you know my feelings on chile as a <laughs> one-time resident of cincinnati
0: uh, let's let's talk about that a little bit um and i i admit that i've that i've uh, participated in pylons just because it was fun and it was happens the human nature to sort of you know Persons are smart, but people are dumb, mm-hmm. but skyline, Chile, that sort of has gained a, an unsavory reputation, but I mean, it's popular in the Cincinnati area for a reason. Um, yeah. What is it that, that appeals to you other than, you know, local
1: tribalism? Yeah. And so I'm not even from Cincinnati. I, you know, I'm from Cleveland, as you said, I, I did go to uh university of Cincinnati. So I was there for like, six years. Um, here's the thing. I, I like it. I also make a bit out of, you know, if you want to make people mad online, you just talk about Skyline. And especially as the Bearcats were making a playoff run in football this year, every time we won a game, I posted a, a GIF of, of Skyline Chili being poured. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of the resistance to it comes from people who have never had it. Now, have you had it?
0: I, I, I have not, but I have... The closest I've ever been to Cincinnati was, you know, just last week I was in Lexington.
1: They might and um, they might be in Lexington if you go back. They are here in Louisville, so I I, I'd have to look and see if they're actually in Lexington. But anyways,
0: well, I gotta see how long I'm back for because I'm definitely going back to the big Kahuna.
1: Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, But so the thing about Skyline, you know, it's it's the semantics. Calling it chilly makes people mad, and it's not. It's not chilly. It's not like you wouldn't just eat a bowl of the the chili. It's a sauce. And it's, I, I, I've heard people, I've had these conversations with people who are like from Michigan or, or Northern Indiana where they're like, oh, is it the same as Coney sauce? Like, yeah, it's the same thing. And actually the same thing shows up, you know, like Coney dog sauce in, you know, that part of the Northern Midwest. I think a lot of it shows up on like garbage plates in Western New York. It's the Greek and Macedonian immigrants with this like strongly spiced meat sauce that's got, you know, allspice and cloves and and things like that in there. So really, it's if you wanted to call it Greek bolognese, I don't feel like people would be nearly as opposed to it as they are to the idea of chili. And then I know there are other people who take it, you know, they see see pictures of the the gigantic mound of cheddar cheese they put on top and they take exception to that that can be a matter of personal preference. I happen to love shredded cheese. And I think it's delicious.
0: I think cheese makes everything better. Yeah. Um, as long as you're not, you know, someone like Spencer Hall, who's, uh, who's hatred for cheese. Is, gonna, and he's not the I, only one. Yeah, I
1: wasn't going to name names. But that was one of the people I was thinking of. Um, uh, but you know, yeah, it's, it's a delicious dish. If you take it for what it is, I, I think of, um, as a tangent, my freshman year of college, uh, at Cincinnati, separate from Skyline, it was understood. You know, you get past about midnight, the normal restaurants close. You get past two a.m. and uh, the fast food places close. You get past four a.m., Taco Bell has closed. If it's past four a.m., you're going to White Castle because it's the only thing that's open. <laughs> and there was one night where, like, I was I was up at four a.m., but I hadn't been drinking, and I had a car, so I. Shuttling a bunch of guys down the hill to the to the White Castle, and one of the guys uh, had grown up uh, mostly overseas, and he had never had uh, White Castle. And we're waiting in the in the you know middle of the night drive through line, which is moving slow as it does. And he's like, "All right, so what do I get? Like a cheeseburger?" And I'm like, "Okay, well, hold on, hold on. All right, if you're going into this expecting a cheeseburger, you're going to have a bad time." <laughs> If you go into this with an open mind and just enjoy what you get, then you'll be fine. Order six cheeseburgers, maybe eight, depending on how hungry you are. And I feel like Skyline follows that same, like if you're going and expecting a bowl of Texas red, well, this ain't it. But if you open your mind to it, it's actually a pretty, pretty tasty dish. Also, I, I will say this. Um, so we do have Skyline here in Louisville and, um, just so happens that the the woman who's cut my hair for as long as I've lived in Louisville moved to a new location that is right next to one of the several Skylines that we have here in town. And my six and a half year old son, I take him with me, he gets his hair cut at the same time I do. Well, he's now realized that he can get a hot dog at Skyline, because they serve so many Dogs. He can get it without the without the chili, without any of the cheese, anything, you just get a hot dog. And So now he demands that we go to Skyline. But it is an amazing dining experience as a parent (laughs) because they only serve – they they have some stuff on the menu that's not chili. They have, you know, like a buffalo chicken wrap and stuff like that. But by and large, it's it's the chili, it's spaghetti, it's the hot dogs. So it's a sit-down restaurant, but you place your order, your food comes two minutes later. And, man, okay. that's a great experience
0: with a, with a kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, kind of reminds me of some of the cheesesteak stands in Philly where, you know, they had the, the steaks going on the grill, saying so, they just dump some whiz on it, and they give you some if you get with or without. But those are always the, the best kind of place to go with kids. Um also be the best kind of places, if you know, if you're on a lunch break yeah. or um, you hate yourself <laughs> and you want to get in and get out. Um, <laughs> so I assume because, like, I've been to – Primanti Brothers in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's sort of like, I, I went in sort of essentially like this dump sandwich place. And what it was, it was sort of like, it's sort of grown into like hit trendy sports bar, kind of like Chickies and Pete's and Philly. I was sort of wondering if, I guess Skyline sounds more like it's, you know, true to the, uh, I guess the, um, you know, get him in, get him out sort of experience.
1: Yeah, it's probably more. Yeah, I guess you can't,
0: they don't have liquor licenses, do they?
1: Not to my knowledge, at least not to any of the ones I've been to. Although. you got to wonder, wonder, would that be. New life goal (laughs) is to open a a skyline with a bar. Um, But, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's more of the like straight up, you know, diner lunch counter sort of, sort of ethos. So like there's tables inside and there is a server who will come to the tables, but it is very, very casual, very, you know, bare bones.
0: And there's a certain charm to those kinds of places, you know, not every place has to be sit down with a nice little menu and, you know, uh, classic rock playing in the background, 50 TVs showing
1: whatever. Actually, this is um, a perfect example of their menu is uh, when you sit down, the waitress will ask if you want a menu. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> actually the last time I was there, I asked because I was like, you know what? I've been here so many times. I'm going to try something different. I tried the wrap; It was pretty good, but. But yeah, most of the time you're like, no, give me a regular five-way. I'm good.
0: So is there, like, a hierarchy to order? I know that some of – not all. I mean, Philadelphia has the reputation, you know, some of the cheesesteak stands are surly. Um, I don't want to say Soup Nazi-esque because that episode of Seinfeld just sort of exaggerated the experience of ordering from a, someone who hates his customers. Mm-hmm. You get some of that, like you got to order, you know, witherwood out, and and uh, woe to you if you're someone like John Kerry and you order uh, a Swiss cheese, a cheesesteak at like oh, Pat's yeah. or Gino's <laughs> uh, or a cheesesteak hoagie, which is a thing, you know, um, you can get a cheesesteak with lettuce and tomatoes on it's called a cheesesteak hoagie, but go to Pat's and Gino's, forget about it. They'll yell at you. Um, is there, I know there's sort of, uh, there are, um, you know certain terms you know two way three way four way five way um, is there a surliness or is it are they friendly oh, no, it's,
1: it's it's pure midwestern nice uh, yeah i mean the the, the ordering system is uh, theoretically you could order a two way but i i have never seen it done you know you start with a three way that's the spaghetti the chili the cheese and uh, a four way adds either beans or chopped onions five-way adds both so i'm i'm a five-way guy i i like beans i like onions uh but i've never experienced any sort of surliness about it i think it's just like here's the system if you don't know it, they'll walk you through because it it's not that hard onions are
0: quite you know controversial you know i i like onions in all their forms i if i want a nice little acid crunch on a hoagie or a cheeseburger i get them get them raw i like them caramelized some people just like Sort of reviled at them, and and they're like a building block of most good food. It's mm-hmm. it's crazy. Um, but um, circling back to chili a little bit, you know, like the, the um actual chili that's called chili that you know you eat with a spoon. Um, so Texans will tell you no beans, and other places will tell you
1: yes beans. Uh, let's get your quick take on that on that battle i'm pro beans i don't get the texas thing about it you know i also and obviously my my embrace of cincinnati puts me in this camp but i'm not i'm not big on chili purism because there's no <laughs> there's no consistency anywhere you know as to what what constitutes a good chili i like beans I, I think beans are very tasty so i i always include them
0: well chili is is very much just throw a bunch of crap in the in a, in a pot and you know, as long as there's, you know, meat, or it doesn't even have to be meat, you got a vegetarian chili, and as long as there's like a tomato base or even, not even that, you know, it's just like a, it's just like a, you know, throw whatever you have in, in the, the, the cast iron pot at the campfire and that's your chow. Yep. yep. So do you have a go-to chili recipe for, uh, I guess we're going from summer into the fall football season, that's a uh, chili weather do you have a go-to chili recipe or is you
1: just sort of like, you know, whatever's, whatever's fresh or whatever's. I sort of mix it up each, each year, you know, tinker with things. The one thing that I do consistently, and I picked this up from, uh, from serious eats and the food lab is uh, using dried chilies rather than chili powder. So I'll, I'll, you know, take the selection of of the bag dried chilies and reconstitute them in broth, puree it into a, into a base and get that real, just like dark, thick, chili base. But beyond there, I, I experiment a lot. I started putting chorizo in there. Found that like that a lot. But uh, I, I do make a vegetarian chili. I think actually, I think chili is the best venue for meat substitutes or even, even not. I made one actually. I um, last fall. I made a point to make a, a vegan chili without getting into using the meat substitutes just because I want to prove that I could. And it was, it was actually really good. It was one thing you have to be careful with when you're doing that is I find the animal fats really tend to suck up spice. And I learned this the hard way once that uh, if you use the same level of spice in a vegetarian or vegan chili that you do in a meat based one, it is going to be a lot hotter when you're done because there's none of that, none of that fat neutralizing it.
0: Uh-oh. You know, what I found as a good chili ingredient that might help with that is mushrooms.
1: Yeah, and and you know that's actually um, I should look it up here when we're on, and see what I put in it. So I've I've
0: put mushrooms in, and they they increase the umami and the earthiness, and it's quite a delightful chili ingredient that I've taken to using.
1: There, if you bear with me a second, I'm pulling up the. Alright, my vegetarian chili I used uh, dried beans, dried chilies, spices, uh, shiitake mushrooms, I ground up some walnuts, uh, and then a big a can of uh, whole hominy. Ooh. You know, I, I've gotten on hominy more recently. Um, it always struck me as like a, my, my grandpa's kind of ingredient, but getting into making like a pozole or or you know, some of the print- it's such a great ingredient. You get that, like, you know, corn flavor, but nice chewy bite to it. So
0: that's a an Art Smith thing. He, he mentioned a hominy around him, and he's uh, he, he for those who don't know who Art Smith is, and he's not just people know him as being Oprah's chef, but you know, he was on Iron. He was a judge on Iron Chef. And he's been on Food my Network. My, my. He's um, he's quite the um, celebrity. Um, chef among celebrity chefs, so and his restaurant at Disney Springs is excellent. If you're ever in that area, you know check it out art Smith's Homecoming. Order the, um, the the Moonshine Flight, you'll 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 thank me unless you don't prepare for it and are hungover the next morning. Nice, but yeah, uh, circling back to summer foods, you know it's still summertime. We have a whole summer ahead of us. Um, three months, it'll it'll fly by for um, for the kids obviously, because they got to go back to school for us. We still got to work, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, the summer cookouts, we talked about grilling. I love grilling. Um, I love it even more now that I can't do it on a regular basis. But um, to go with the the grilled meats, the burgers, the hot dogs, the sausages, the the steaks, whatever, various side dishes. Um, What are some of the uh, side dishes that you grew up with? And what are some of the ones you've sort of come up with? As I know, if you're anything like uh, like us out in Philly, you know, we'd have, you know, macro, all the mayonnaise-based salads. And then someone would invariably make a pasta salad with the, the bottled um, Italian dressing, which was fine, you know. You still still like see it every once in a while. But uh, what are some of the things you remember from your cookouts, you know, with your family? And then what are some of the things that you now as sort of a refined – cook i won't say chef because you know you're not where you and i aren't chefs by trade you know yeah. we kind of have to go through culinary school for that
1: <laughs> but um, yeah i would say growing up a lot of potato salad uh, a lot of pasta salad and then one thing that we made a lot in the summer uh growing up was just a cucumber tomato salad just chunks chunks of cucumber chunks of tomato oregano and italian dressing and man i love that growing up as, as like you know quintessential childhood food for me cuz i love i love cucumbers always have even as a kid um <clears throat> and then more you know i still do, i still do all of those things but one that i picked up in recent years is a uh like a roasted broccoli salad so i'll you know take take some chopped broccoli you know break down the heads into smaller smaller florets uh roast it until it gets a nice soft you know nicely soft and charred and toss it with um, oh gosh what do i do i do some some cheddar cheese a little bit of mayo uh some crumbled bacon and then if you get the um the fried red peppers you know the the like salad topping yeah. crispy red peppers mix that all up that's been that's been a big barbecue side for me in recent years that like plausibly yeah, generally,
0: generally the red peppers around here we roast them and they're nice and soft yeah that's an Italian, it's a Philly Italian oh, I thing.
1: Love, I love a roasted red pepper, but this specifically is for the crunch. Is that like, you know, you see it on some like fast food restaurant salads, even it's like, it's the equivalent of the like fried onions on the, on the green bean casserole, but they're red peppers. So they're just like the, the crispy part. And uh, yeah, that's been a real good.
0: Yeah. I get, yeah. Crunch is yeah. important. You know, te- it's text. It's the textural balance, you know, You know, sometimes you might be able to eat, like, just a bowl of porridge or something that has that consistency, but sometimes you want to to change up a little bit. I think that's sort of one of the things I've learned over the years of cooking, you know, is having – is contrast works so much better at breaking things up, Um, whether it be, you know, taste or acidity, um, texture, that sort of thing. Um, I read a book called uh, Soft, Fat, Acid, Heat, and that was – it's sort of foundational for me.
1: I love that book, and I love the uh, I love the TV series too. Oh, it's good. I think I think it was on Netflix, but it's you know it's the same author, Simon Nosrat, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a limited run series. I think it was actually just four episodes, and they focused on each thing. Um, but
0: uh, you think about they're all really important, especially acid. I think that's the sort of thing that people don't neglect they don't think they need like acid but it's 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 really important you know sort of wake up the palate and everything yeah and and so i you don't have we've have, don't have a lot of time left but um i do before we go i want to you know ask you about the friday cookbook yeah. um so the kentuckiana Hot wine you know I guess explain a little bit for people who don't know about the pork loin sandwich, what that means to sort of that area from, you know, stretching from Iowa all the way down to the Ohio Valley. Yeah,
1: and so there are there are competing claims to uh, which state the breaded pork tenderloin sandwich belongs to. Iowa has, has their claim to it. Indiana has their claim to it. I... Shouldn't have a dog in the fight, but my my in-laws are from Indiana. That's where I first tried it. So I in I'm on in the Indiana side here, even though I know Iowa is the pork-producing powerhouse. But it's a you know, pork tenderloin pounded as thin thin and flat as you can get it. I mean, we're talking you know, a half inch, quarter inch thick, breaded and fried, very much like a schnitzel. Um, and that's a mainstay. First time I had one was at the uh, Grable Country Fair in Grable, Indiana, which is uh, Amish country north of Fort Wayne. And uh, they're delicious. You know, you, if you look some of them online, you can find places that they'll pound them out to these comical, like, you know, steering wheel sized pieces. Uh, about a month ago, we went to uh, the Edinburgh Diner in Edinburgh, Edinburgh, Indiana, which is about half hour south of Indianapolis.
0: And, I was hoping it was, it was, it was Indiana and not yeah, Scotland.
1: Yeah. Um, but so the, the one at the Edinburgh diner, it's, uh, it's $10. You can order a second bun for $2 and. But why would you? Well, you, because it's so large. Uh, <laughs> like my wife and I split one, we ordered a sandwich and then an extra bun and still ended up having another meal out of it. And it was delicious. I mean, it's not, you know, you think, surprises size, the meat's not going to be good, but it was it was delicious, juicy. So that's the iconic sandwich of Indiana. And and one of my my now I guess most iconic revelation a couple of years ago was what if I take this and combine it with the Nashville hot chicken sort of you know wet wet spice rub and so that's I, I put those together and then uh the intentionally off putting name I came up with it was for it was the Kentuckiana hot loin. If you're not familiar, Kentuckiana is the term some people use for the Louisville, Southern Indiana region. Usually it's people in the Southern Indiana region trying to get in on the, get in on the wool. Yeah. But uh, the Kentuckiana hot wine is is that. It's a breaded pork tender wine that's been rubbed with a uh, mostly cayenne based. Uh, I, t- I take a little bit of the hot frying oil, mix it with Uh, cayenne, paprika, garlic, a few other things, and then brush it onto the just-fried tenderloin. And the funny thing about this uh, you know, it's a good recipe. I've made it a few times myself. Obviously, it it is delicious. But disproportionately to anything else I've made, I mean, truly over 100 people have sent me pictures of their versions of it. And I think, you know, I talked early on about realizing that some of our recipes are too complicated for people to really want to do this is like just complicated enough because if you're comfortable frying pan frying it's not even deep frying it's pan frying if you're comfortable pan frying then you really all you have to do is you know beat this flat bread it fry it brush it with a spice rub it's a little messy but it's not a big weekend endeavor it doesn't take a lot of special skills but it's also something that you're not going to find anywhere else and so i don't some somehow it hit the perfect balance because like i said over 100 people have sent me pictures of it and now i know at least two restaurants that have done it that's 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 awesome uh
0: Nothing, nothing more satisfying than seeing someone who does it professionally than making something that you've made uh, one more thing we got here the Friday cookbook also features generally a cocktail yeah. most weeks and you're in in the heart of a bourbon country um, quick shout out what is the bourbon that you would recommend someone buy if they could you know get their hands on it whether they get to Kentucky or whether it's available nationally
1: okay I will answer that in multiple parts Um. <clears throat> usually my I'm, I'm look I'm looking at my bar as we talk about this and I've got I think like 15 bottles of bourbon in various states of, of consumption right now um, value bourbon heaven Hill white label is the best ten dollar bottle you'll get if you can get it where you are it's also called quality house but it's it's you know better than a ten dollar bottle should be for rye and I use a lot of rye for um, like manhattans and, and stuff like that old Overhold, yeah old Overhold is my like again value pick on rye um you know for the like decent bottle i'm 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 a woodford fan um i have i enjoy Willet. you know you get that pot still shaped bottle and then um more recently i've been getting into the kentucky owls and there's the the older like con- they call it confiscated the like old stock of bourbon but they've started uh, started putting together new new labels of Kentucky Owl and I've really liked the stuff that I've tried there
0: awesome well I will take notes when I uh, review it at the podcast I'm looking for a good bottle of bourbon myself um, before we let you go where can we find you on the internet where, where can we find your work where can we find you Yeah, wherever
1: uh, So the Action Cookbook newsletter is my mainstay. That is actioncookbook.substack.com. And then uh, I'm also on Twitter at Action Cookbook.
0: Awesome. Uh, Scott, I want to thank you for coming on. You've been a great guest.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: No problem. I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, If you found me through the newsletter, great. Uh, You probably know everything there is is that you need to know about what I'm doing. Um, But if not... If you, if you sort of found this through someone's recommendation, a link, someone passed it along to you, whatever, uh, subscribe to my newsletter too. It's tholzerman.substack.com. Uh, you'll get three ish posts a week um, about various subjects food, video games, sports, wrestling, whatever is on my mind. Um, this week I only had two post this uh, this this podcast and then yesterday I wrote about the Schnitzel I made on Tuesday night which is when I'm recording this so it's tonight I made it <laughs> um, if you want to get more of my inane thoughts follow me on Twitter at T Holzerman if you want if you want to see some pictures that I've taken uh, of various foods and animals and, and children follow me on Instagram same name T Holzerman you could find me on Facebook but I'd rather you not and if you like, You hear and you think hey i think th should get a little bit of money out of this well i have a ko-fi link down at the bottom you can buy me a coffee Uh, you don't have to it's not a condition of listening or or consuming what i'm giving you but it would be very nice Um, until then everybody have a great weekend keep it a buck